Wait, should I say it? Yeah, be blunt as fuck. This is Brutally Blunt with Jennifer and Katie. Hey guys, welcome back to this week's episode of Brutally Blunt with Jennifer and Katie. So May is Mental Health Awareness Month, so we wanted to do a mental health awareness episode. And we have Jessie Wolinski on, and she has her own podcast called The Badass Blind Babe. So hi, Jessie. How are you? Hey, ladies. I'm doing really, really well. Thanks for having me on tonight's episode. I'm very excited to be here. So can you explain a little like what your podcast is about and why you decided to start it? Yeah, definitely. Um, So like you said, my podcast is called the Badass Blind Babe Podcast. So obviously I'm blind. um, (laughs) Makes sense. Yeah, right? Checks out. So that was definitely the inspiration um, just to kind of create a podcast and create a platform for myself to kind of, you know, express myself and everything that I've gone through with being visually impaired and all of the other struggles that come along with having a condition like I have. So I really just kind of wanted another place to ramble about my feelings. You know, it's getting a little tired on Instagram, me just blabbing away about this shit. So I was like, you know what? Let's take it to the next level. Let's uh, start a podcast. So I could really blab about it. So <laughs> that's awesome. And you like just started it not too long ago, right? Yeah. Yeah. I just started it um, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. I think I have the fourth episode coming out um, on Thursday. So yeah, it's brand new. So can you tell us about your diagnosis? Yes. Um, so I was diagnosed when I was seven years old with a condition called retinitis pigmentosa, and it's a rare eye condition that slowly causes blindness over time. So I don't have any peripheral vision. Um, I have a lot of blind spots, um, and I have no night vision or anything like that. And I just got deemed as legally blind last year. So that means that I have lost enough vision where now it's like what you can see or someone with regular vision can see from 200 feet away, I can see the same thing, but only from 20 feet away. So it's definitely, I've lost a lot of vision over the years um, and I will be losing more vision and I'll go completely blind one day. Um, But, you know, that's why I raise a lot of money and do a lot for, um, you know, blindness research to hopefully make that not the case. <laughs> Let's how hope. did, how did like that happen? Like when you were a kid, so you, you found out when you were seven, was it just like your parents were like, it seems like she's not being able to see stuff. Did you know, notice that like you were not being able to see things that you were able to see before or. I really didn't notice too much. Um, it was definitely, I, I was at a school and they do those kind of like basic tests that the nurse gives you, you know, mm-hmm. and the nurse was kind of like, okay, like telling my parents, you guys got to check her out. Something's up. And I never really thought anything of it. Obviously at that time when they got the diagnosis, it was kind of more of a thing that my parents struggled with. Cause I was just too young to really understand what this condition meant. And all of my parents really knew was like, oh, she doesn't like to sleep with the light off. Like every other kid, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So they didn't really know. Um, and Is like, that like a sensory was- thing? Like, why didn't you like to sleep with the light off? It was mainly to do with blindness. Um, yeah, because like I'm night blind, so I would get really, really scared in the dark, and that's like oh. a common thing. Okay, if you're afraid of the dark. Of course, she doesn't want to sleep with the light off. Like, okay, you know, she's regular kid kind of thing, and I'm like, no, like, bitch, I can't see a goddamn thing. And you're, like, freaking out, like, no. <laughs> Were you just like, can you give me glasses? 
Yeah. So that is what they did. Um, I, I got glasses, but what with my condition, for some reason, the way my eyes are like everyone is different with, um, RP or any kind of other blindness causing disease. Some people do use glasses to help them, but in my case, it never really helped. So I got the glasses, just kind of like a fashion statement made my mom buy me these like super bougie, expensive glasses. I did the same thing. Now I I have to wear glasses, but I I really wanted them. The color changing thing, which I know nowadays people are like, (laughs) okay, you're a loser if your glasses change colors. But like I added that and then like my eye doctor was telling my teacher, like, you have to wear these every single day. So I would like hide them in my cubby because I didn't want to wear them. And yep. yeah, no, it was definitely a fashion statement. Same thing with braces for me and crutches and a cast. <laughs> Real. Like, and that's how I felt until it was like, oh, I actually have to wear this in front of other people. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Hell no, I'm not going to do this at all. My mom was like, really? After I just bought you this shit? I was like, oh, well, sorry. <laughs> how was it like playing with like other kids or growing up? Like, when you had to like tell someone like, Hey, like I can't do, were you able to like, could you not do sports? Like, could you not do certain activities with friends because of your blindness? Yeah. Um, well that definitely like played a big part. I did play soccer and basketball for a number of years, but I had to stop because I kept getting concussions because I wouldn't be able to see the ball. Oh and, shit. You know, things. Yeah. Oh. I was like, okay, like maybe sports is not the <laughs> Oh my God. I thought you were just like shooting and hoping for the best. I didn't even think of like. I, I really was. Let me tell you <laughs> a lot of just like hoping this shit works out. Um, so yeah, I did have to stop that. Um, But I mean, at that age, like even from seven to, I'd say like maybe 12, 13, like I just didn't really notice a whole lot of the effects of the condition. It was a lot more at night. Um, And I just didn't, you know, when you're a kid, you don't really have that same kind of awareness of what it really meant. Like, I don't remember getting like told what the gravity of the situation was till I was about 14. So before that, I never really brought it up with my friends. Um, I do know my one friend, Shauna, though, she was, she became my best friend in kindergarten because I was afraid to go outside. How she remembers the story is that I was afraid of the sun. And I was like, well, bitch, you were <laughs> right. And I couldn't see. She's like, oh, I stayed inside with you. And that's why we're friends. So <laughs> we like being outside inside too. We don't really like I going mean, outside the too. The sun often. is literally trying to kill you every single and day. Like, yeah, oh my no. God, it's blinding. I, I need to go back inside. No, thank <laughs> you. Yeah, I don't need more wrinkles and shit too. Right? Right. You know. <laughs> so, how would you say it like has affected your mental health? Oh gosh. Um, well this, I could go on and on about, so cut me off when I start talking too much, but it's, it's been a fucking roller coaster. It's, um, I, I remember when my parents like first sat me down and told me about the situation, like, okay, you have this condition, like you might be blind one day. And I just remember that was the same year that I started experimenting with drugs and alcohol and self-harm and really just gave up on any sort of future that I had. I was like, I'm going to be a blind person. In my mind, I thought blind people can't do anything with their life. So it really just set me on, you know, a real downward spiral. Um, And I've been in and out of therapy for years, in and out of, you know, different facilities and taking different medications and trying to get my mental health under control. But um, it was definitely tricky because I didn't feel like anyone could relate to me. So that's a big thing with mental health in general is finding Mm -hmm. support and being able to kind of get over that stigma and just say what you're going through and not worry about what people have to say about it. But in this condition, it was just a little different because people can't really relate to me. So I really had to try to find that circle of people. And at this age is when I also started fundraising, but it wasn't in the way that I do it now, where now I tell everyone about it. And then I was still very, you know, 
shy and didn't want people to know about my condition. So here I am trying to get support for what I'm going through, but I'm still not willing to talk about it and not willing to really open up, which makes it, you know, impossible to find that support and to find a healthy outlook on your life, you know, when you're just so ashamed of it. So that definitely Mm -hmm. was hard. And I still struggle with my mental health now. And that's definitely a big focus um, on what my podcast is about is trying to break down that stigma and say, dude, it's okay. If you have shit going on, we all have shit going on. It's not exclusive to me or you, we all have shit. And just because our shit is different and maybe someone doesn't understand it, someone else definitely will. And you have to get it off of your chest for yourself. Like fuck what other people are going to think. It really has to be about you wanting to get better. So it's, it's a lifelong journey for sure. (laughs) Has it been like depression, anxiety, a little bit of both? Like, yeah, definitely both. Um, I would say the depression is what gets me the most. Um, you know, unfortunately I still struggle with suicidal thoughts and tendencies and things like that. Um, which is definitely, you know, it's gotten better as you live with it longer, you kind of know how to manage it or learn some ways to manage it and get help for it. But, um, yeah, it's definitely the depression that can just come in and kick your ass, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Well, and you said that you, so what age were, did you find out that, Hey, this is probably going to end up in me going blind? Uh, yeah. When I was 14, my parents really told me about that. Um, and then that's that's when drugs and alcohol and all that. So you were doing it more to mask the depression and the like all of that, but not, was it not like a normal 14 year old? Well, not like every 14 year old does drugs and alcohol, but like, right? yeah. <laughs> but like <laughs> I mean, a lot do, and it's more just like a social thing, you know, you're experimenting, you're young. Um, but would you say it was more than just experimenting for you? Like it was more to mask like oh, the feelings definitely. of depression. Oh my gosh. Yeah, definitely. I feel like maybe it kind of started out as like a little experimenting here mm-hmm. and there, but it really just became a way that like, I could get out of my own head and, you know, be comfortable being around anyone, you know what I mean? Especially in my condition, not being able to see at night, you know, when you're a teenager, you're going to the movies, you're going to your friend's houses, like in a lot of dark places that would just give me so much anxiety because I was not in a place where I could say, Hey, I'm blind. Can you turn on the light? Hey, can you help me out with this? You know, as a teenager, everyone judges you for every little thing Mm -hmm. All you want to do is fit in. So I kind of felt like, oh, if I'm drunk, if I'm fucked up, like I, I just can't notice. Yeah, yeah, it's like, just me wobbling around. Yeah, like, exactly. This is fucked up, no problem. Like totally. Like if people just thought, like, oh, you know, she's just drunk over there, and like, half the time, like yeah, I might have been drunk, but I also like can't, I can't see. see. That's why I'm falling down and spilling. <laughs> right. Drink, you know, like so that kind of made it easier, I think, to mask the embarrassment that comes with it. Just kind of, you know, <laughs> what does it like look like? for you like when you are in the dark like can you describe what like you you said you can't see like is it just completely black like you just can't see anything can you see shapes or like can someone's face like can you see someone's face close up in the dark no I can't see absolutely anything even in like very very dim lighting um it can be tricky for me to see anything maybe in dimmer lighting I can maybe make out that there's a person there or something, but don't like, I can't see any facial features or anything like that. And even sometimes in a room, it's like, if it's a completely dark room, but there's a light on in the corner, that light doesn't really light up anything else in that room. I just see the light in that corner, you know? So it's, it's very tricky to explain, especially um, even not in the dark, you know, I have all these blind spots and I can basically 
only see shit if it's directly in front of my face. So it definitely can get a little bit confusing for people. You know what I mean? To, I, I can't always explain exactly what I can and can't see because it's constantly changing. Mm-hmm. So I mean, really I had no idea you were legally blind when I first met you, like at all. So like when I found out, I was like, wait, she can't see? Like she can't <laughs> see me or anything? Like I was so, like I had no idea. Like, so I would have never been like, oh my God, she like has anything or whatever. And I was like telling Jennifer like, um, when you were Ubering, I thought it's just because you were drinking. Like, I didn't know, like, I didn't realize you couldn't drive. You actually can't drive. <laughs> totally. Yeah. The, I, the drinking is a good mess. Let me tell you, no one thinks twice, but I know I, I didn't. I just thought, oh, <laughs> being responsible. Yeah. And that's a lot of my shit. I, well, I'm sorry that you, the thing that was close to your face that you had to see was Katie's face. So. <laughs> I know, nice and close. I'm like, oh, thank God. She's like, like, shit, like, this is the only thing I can see right now? Like, really? So I you've can't. never learned to drive, like, ever? No, um, I have driven, you know, illegally a couple of oh, times here okay. and there, but, you know, yeah. Not Allegedly. Supposed to <laughs> yeah, apparently, but yeah, no, um, yeah, I was so never that- licensed hard when like everyone gets their license and learner's permit and you're just like god I so fucking hard dude I hated that shit so much like that's especially a tricky part about my condition is just not having a lot of independence so yeah like just seeing people get in their car and drive around and get to go to this store and that store and just get around freely um yeah I really really struggled with that I was so so jealous of, of all my friends but um you know, it definitely, you get used to it. So now it's been so many years. So I'm like used to not having a car, but sometimes still like I'm outside waiting for my Uber for 20 minutes and I just see people hopping in their cars and jetting off around me. So it can definitely get a little discouraging sometimes, but, um, yeah, it was as a teenager, it was, oh, it was like detrimental for sure. But Uber and Lyft had to have been like kind of life-changing, I feel like, because all of a sudden now you have a rideshare service and it's like, holy fuck, like I can get around because before it was like taxis or buses or things. And, you know, Southern California isn't the best with public transportation. So I don't know why I even managed to live here so many years in my adult life when there's like no public (laughs) transportation. But yeah, Uber and Lyft, definitely expensive, but a lifesaver. Otherwise, I use um, a public transit service in the area which is, you know, very inexpensive, but it's just tricky when you have to get somewhere, but you have to plan two hours ahead to get somewhere that's 20 minutes away just because you don't know who you're going to pick up or if they're going to be late. So it's just, you know, can be very annoying to get around and hopefully I'll be able to move to a city very soon. (laughs) Do you think it's harder going, going blind? Like have, like, cause you've been able to see, and then all of a sudden you're like, wow, I'm going to fully be able to not see versus like, if you were probably born blind, like, have you talked to people who are born blind versus your condition? I have. Yeah. Um, and it's so interesting cause I've always gone back and forth. I'm like, I mean, it would definitely be easier to never have had vision just for the sake of like, I don't have to learn all these new things and learn mm-hmm. a new way to live my life after I'm so used to living it with vision. But then I think like, damn, like I, I would never be able to see a sunset or I would never have been able to ever have seen like what my parents look like or just these certain. That's crazy yeah. to think about. I, I feel very blessed. And even though it's very tricky to go from sighted to blind, um, 
just having those kind of moments and like being able to see the things that I've had seen so far. Like I got to climb Machu Picchu and see all that. And like those kind of things that I would just never have had otherwise. Um, I'm really grateful for. So yeah, I would, I would definitely choose my situation for sure. That's yeah. so true. Cause I feel like we take all that stuff for granted. Mm-hmm. Like I look at the same four walls every day and like, don't think anything of it, you know, when there's so many things like to see so many things to do that if those were taken away or like, I like, wouldn't climb whatever, Machu Picchu yeah, or whatever, Picchu. but it's like nice to have the option, I guess. Like, right. you know, you don't think about those things. Right. Like if I really wanted to do it, like, but right. so I kind of want to go back to when you said that, like, you felt suicidal um, and you had a suicide episode, right? That you did. Um, yeah. yeah. Can you open up about that? Yeah. Like, tell us the backstory to that episode. Yeah, definitely. Um, so that episode was about a recent experience I had last year where I wound up in the hospital due to um, like me cutting myself and really making that plan to end my life. Um but luckily my amazing girlfriend was there and helped me snap out of it and get some help for it. Um, but yeah, it was definitely a really crazy time. And unfortunately that's not the first experience that I've had um, with like a suicide attempt, but um, I just really wanted to share that story because when I first posted about it on Instagram, a couple of weeks after it happened, that was new for me. Cause I've been, you know, sharing my story for a number of years now, but it's always kind of been, reflecting on when I felt suicidal or depressed in the past. So to be able to talk about it while I was going through it was a big deal for me, like to be able to say, Hey, like, I don't need to be afraid of this story and I can just kind of, you know, own it, you know? So that was definitely a big deal for me to actually talk about it. Um, But yeah, I mean, that's the thing is getting that diagnosis of legally blind. Obviously I've known, from the start of when I got diagnosed with this condition that is degenerative. So I'm slowly losing vision over time. So I wasn't necessarily surprised by the diagnosis of being legally blind, but it still just hits you in a way like, wow, you know, my world is getting darker and darker and darker, literally. Mm-hmm. So it can feel very dark emotionally. And sometimes that depressed mindset can take over and say, your life is going to be nothing but darkness. You have nothing to look forward to. You're always going to have to rely on other people and all these other kind of fears that can come with being a blind person. Um, So unfortunately, you know, I still go through that and I still have those type of struggles. Um, But I thought that that story in particular was really important for me to talk about just to try to normalize it. You know what I mean? Because once I start talking about it, so many people reach out to me like, oh my gosh, I felt this way. And I've been through that. And I had to do the same thing and go to a hospital and get help. And so it just kind of makes it a normal thing rather than this weird taboo thing that it's become where like, you can't talk about it. But then after a person kills themselves, they're like, oh, I wish they talked about it and opened up and reached out for help. It's like, they might have, but yeah, you know, got weird about it or something. You know what I mean? Cause there's a shame, like coming a stigma with mental health. Like Mm -hmm. I was diagnosed with depression when I was 22. And I think like now I'm able to be like, Oh, like I on antidepressants, whatever, like, and it's not a big deal, but it takes a while to get there to be able to be like, Oh yeah. Like I, 
need help, you know, like, fortunately, I was blessed to be able to go to therapy, like my whole entire life. But there is a shame when you're talking to friends who don't understand mental health at all, or they've never experienced it in their family or anything like that. So I think it's like, you don't want to open up. Yeah, when you're like, you can't relate to me in any way, or something like that, or you just don't know what I'm going through, or you don't have any sort of sympathy, not that you're like asking for sympathy. But it's like, kind of like, you don't get it. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, that's the thing is like, people won't understand what you're going through. Like my struggles are different than your struggles. Right. I think it's just the idea of like, hey, I don't need to understand what other people are going through to have their, have their experience be a valid experience. You know what I mean? Like, I don't Mm -hmm. need to have experienced it. I'm glad that not everyone has experienced what it's like to live with depression, but (laughs) they should be, you know, looking at me sideways. And like, that's the thing is when you start talking about it, people deem you as crazy or unstable or, Oh my God, she's so pathetic, just struggling over here. And it's like, or like, did you take your medication or things like that? And it's like, fuck off. You don't even know what it's like to be honest. So it is nice when you have a safe space or an outlet like your podcast to listen to and you're like, holy fuck, like there are people who are struggling just like me. It's really nice to know, like I'm not the only one and I can't relate to half people's stories, but I love listening and just being there for someone and being like, hey, like if you need anything, I'm here, like I'll listen because I realized a lot of people just want to talk. Like they just want to talk and I'm like, okay. And I will like find out about people's like stories within a few minutes. Like, because I'm like, I just realized like, that's all they want is to be able to share their story and talk because I feel like there is such walls people put up with mental health and talking to people. And if you just listen, that's really all they're looking for is to listen. And like you said, like with suicide, like I think maybe they did try to talk to you, but you're not listening or they Mm -hmm. didn't feel comfortable like and they were just testing the waters to see how you would react and then when you put up that guard then they felt like they could move it's hard because you know a lot of people say like I'm gonna kill myself or something like and I know like we we kind of say like oh my god I'm gonna kill myself like in just passing but it's like we don't mean it obviously like that but you know it's like when you when do you know like if someone fucking means it Like, how did your, did your girlfriend know? Because obviously you were like cutting your wrist, like, or were you talking about it ahead of time? Yeah. Well, she, she didn't know like my struggles and everything beforehand, um, with depression. So like, you know, I always seem to have like a depressive episode, you know, every month or so it always like aligns with my period, which is like, really bitch. Like, are you kidding me? It's a little normal though. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's just like PMS. I'm like, okay, let's, let's bring all the other shit up. To PMS, depressed, yeah, got yeah. it all. Pilot check, on. check. Yeah. So yeah. Like she definitely, you know, I've always um, been able to communicate that with her, but yeah, she definitely knew um, that I, you know, had been cutting myself and she stayed over and tried to, you know, make sure that I wouldn't do that again. Of course I go in the bathroom while she's sleeping, doing it behind her back and, oh my God. you know, but then she wakes up and luckily like the second that she came in, cause here I am trying to figure out a way to get her out of my apartment so that I can tie my shower curtain around my neck and around my balcony and jump oh my off my God. balcony. And that is what I was thinking about. And luckily when she walked into the bathroom where I was sitting on the floor, cutting myself, I just see her face and I just blurt out like, I need to go to the hospital because I'm not 
well being alone right now, you know? So luckily like a mental facility hospital or just the regular hospital since you were like physically hurt at that time, I didn't really like you do go to the regular hospital just because you have to get placed with the facility and it could be a whole long process. Um, so yeah, I was at the hospital for like a couple of days, um, before I got matched with the facility and it turned out the facility wasn't exactly the help that I needed. I just needed to get back into constant like therapy and getting consistent with that. Cause that's some the thing is like, I've been in therapy since I was seven years old, mm-hmm. but sometimes I'll get, you know, I'll start feeling good for a few months. I might, you know, stop going as often and thinking I'm getting better. And then it's like, okay, I just wind up in the same situation again. I realized for me, I just need that constant outlet. So you know, it was, it's a little crazy story. I know it's not exactly the most fun thing to talk about. I swear. I'm, no, I know, but, it, but it's important. important. Yeah. Like, I don't think, yeah, people, yeah. but like, so you, first of all, that's amazing that you were able to vocalize like in that moment, like, like I, need I, I need help. I need to go to the hospital. Like, what would you, and I know everyone's different and everyone, you know, goes through different things and reacts differently in situations, but like, what advice would you give to someone who is in a similar place on like how to get to that point? Like I need help, you know, how to vocalize that, especially in a, like life or death situation like that. Mm-hmm. Oof. I mean, it's so tricky because honestly, I can't even believe that those words came out of my mouth, especially while I was in that depressed mindset. You know what I mean? Like, I can't even believe that I advocated for myself in that way. So it can be really, really tricky. Um, I think just like having a support system is really important. Like next or this week, actually in two days, I'm going to do an episode on my podcast about how to be an ally and a support, a supporter for someone who's going through this kind of stuff. Um, But unfortunately, you know, you really have to try to be your own supporter. So it can be tricky, obviously, when your mind is just not right and you don't, you can't see things clearly. You can't see through the depressed fog. Um, So I guess just having at least one person, you know, that you can call. And even if you don't have that person knowing like you can pick up the phone, like call 911, go to the hospital. If you can't be alone, like, yeah, it's not fun going to the hospital, but it's like, you got to do something to try to save yourself. There's hotlines too, right? Like you can call. Yeah. yeah, The national suicide hotline, even if you just need someone to chat with who is like a third party and get that kind of therapy experience. If you feel like you can't open up to friends and family, um, but it, it's hard, you know, it's really hard because sometimes that support, that support system isn't always there for you in the way that you need it. So it's it can be so, so tricky to know exactly what to say. And like you said, everyone feels differently about it. Everyone's going to react differently to those types of feelings. I think the one thing that helps me is even when I don't reach out in that moment is knowing like, hey, I've gotten through every single other bad mood or bad feeling or bad day or bad week or month. And I can do it again, you know, and luckily I have those moments of clarity where I'm like, okay, I'm a bad bitch. I fucking have done this shit Mm -hmm. together, girl. Like you got this shit. But I mean, the scary thing is, is like, it only takes a couple moments to, you know, be gone and not have that clarity. So it's, oh, that's a tough one. You know, it's tough. And like with your support system. So obviously you have your girlfriend now and she sounds amazing. Um, but like, how did you go about finding support systems like throughout your life? Cause I mean, I'm assuming you didn't know your girlfriend when you were seven, you might've, but no. like, you know, how did you go throughout life? Like finding support systems? Like, were you able to talk to your parents? Yes. Well, luckily my parents are absolutely 
just amazing, amazing people. Um, my dad, he is a diabetic, so he can definitely understand the struggle of having something that you can't control that mm -hmm. he's ashamed about that having to kind of overcome that. And he's been in therapy for like over 30 years. So just kind of having parents who understand the importance of, you know, therapy and medication or any, you know, finding out those different avenues and things that could help you out. Um, that was definitely really helpful because they were always the first people to say, okay, let's get you in to talk to someone. Let's get you the help that you need. Um, but I mean, also I've just had like so many friends throughout my life, literally all my best friends I either met when I was six or when I was 12 and they've just been the same bitches fucking with me, helping me out through all this shit. So I know like I have those people and you know, I'm, I'm very lucky in that way. Cause that's a tough thing is people who don't have even one person they can really mm -hmm. be honest with. You can really feel completely alone in this world, you know? And that's one thing that I want people to know that like when I share my story, it's like, if you don't have anyone you can talk to, I'm so serious when I say, email me, let's talk about it. You know what I mean? Like, cause you need someone to tell you like, it's going to be okay. And even if that person doesn't reach out to me, maybe they'll read my posts. Maybe they'll listen to my podcast episode and at least, you know, realize I'm not the only person going through this shit. What was like your friends and family's reaction? Like when that episode came out? Oh, um, it was definitely, you know, a little rough. Um, I did any of them not know? They, they didn't know. Um, yeah, my friends did all know about it. There was a couple people like who didn't know about it that had okay. reached out to me, but I did, like I said, I posted on Instagram, like within a couple weeks of that happening. And when I did that, oh my gosh, like my parents' phone was blowing up from family members reaching out and friends reaching out to me. And, you know, obviously very concerned, you know, it's, some scary shit that I'm talking about not wanting to be alive anymore. So it's, it was a bit of a shock and it was a little overwhelming getting all that love and support is very, you know, sweet. I'm so glad that I have all that support, but it can just be a little overwhelming because my point was not to worry people as worrisome as it is. It's really just to bring awareness and say, people go through this shit and it's okay. I'm not some, you know, psycho depressed mess who can't get it together, but I'm going through this like so many people are, and it needs to be talked about. I'm not going to feel shame in this anymore. And that really was why I wanted to put it out there because I'm just holding on to my shame and it's not doing me any good. Mm -hmm. And the only way I can feel better about my situation, like with my eye condition, once I started talking about it and doing public speeches and kind of just getting it out there it just can't be used against me or held against me, or I just, I'm not holding on to that shame anymore. So it's the same with mental health and just getting it out there, you know, cause I'm not the only one dealing with it and I shouldn't have to feel that way, you know? And it's like, you're owning it and taking the power back. Exactly. Basically. Exactly. And it's like, I always say, it's like, you can own your shit or that shit will own you. Like, you know, mm -hmm. pushing all that down, hiding everything you're insecure about. It's never going to get better. Like, it's just going to get worse and worse and worse until you fucking explode. So it's like, just, you know, own it. No one can use it against you. It's like, and if people do, if you want to say, oh gosh, that Jessie, she's just so sad and crazy. It's like, all right, like, cool. Think, think what you got to think, dude. It's none right. of right. Or people are like, oh, they're just looking for attention or shit like that. Yeah. And it's like, okay, fuck off. Like, if that's what you think, then yeah, you Whatever. can't change people's opinions, but yeah, it does make you feel better just to, like, there's people I go up to and there's just no, there's no reason for them to tell, for me to tell them anything about my mental health, but sometimes I just blurt it out and I'm just like, <laughs> yes. 
And I think they're like a little bit shocked, but like some people are like, Oh, like, cool. Like, yeah, my, you know, my brother also has ADHD or like, you know, like you connect with people on a whole nother level and it just makes you feel good. You know, it's just like, I don't want to carry this around. Like you can all know. Exactly. And there's so much power in that vulnerability. You know what I mean? Because once you open it up, then like people are like, oh my gosh, like then I can tell this person what I'm going through. Maybe they've never had that experience or that chance to say, hey, I'm going through this, you know? And that's the cool thing about when I started posting more about this on social media is like the amount of messages I get from people that I don't even know saying, I never knew that like I could feel good about the situation or I never thought that there was like another avenue for me to go down, whether they're visually impaired or not. And it's like, that's why I do it, dude. If I could have one person just feel better about their life mm-hmm. by me being who I am, that's fucking beautiful. And like, I wouldn't give that up for anything. So for you, is therapy all you need or is it, are you medicated or both? Um, I'm not on any medication right now. I've definitely been on a different, you know, different antidepressants in the past, different combinations. Um, so you've tried right it. Now. Yeah, I definitely have. Um, and yeah, I've had a lot of different experiences with that. It's not anything that I'm against. Obviously, I'm so all for people who need to be on medication. And who knows, I might reach that point where I might feel like I need to be on it again. Um, mm-hmm. So right now, yeah, definitely therapy, you know, meditation, trying to find yoga, journaling, sort of things like that to kind of calm my nerves. Um but, um, you know, chocolate mainly. <laughs> yeah. No, Cat diet, you know? <laughs> food. People are like, just exercise. And I'm like, I'm like, okay. Yeah. Like, that one, but thank you. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. because I think like some people are like, oh my God, there's also stigma around like being medicated and things like that. And yes. I'm always like, I would like tell people, I'm like, oh my God, just like go on antidepressants. I'm telling you it will help. Like, you know, because it is really helpful, but I know not, it's not for everyone. And I know it can affect people differently also depending like what you're on, but I think people should definitely look at all avenues of what's available to them. Like, Mm -hmm. and if you need to be on antidepressants, great. If you don't great, like, and if you find something that works for you, like both of them, then cool. So And that's like another thing that's like has such a negative stigma. And it's like, dude, if there's something as easy as a pill that will help me feel better, fuck yes. Like, yeah, find what works for you, you know, because people always say like, oh, well, pills didn't work for me. You should really do this. You're like, oh, that didn't work. You should do this. It's like it's it's such a personal journey. So you figure out what works for you and kind of learn, you know, when to block out the bullshit and other people's opinions when it's not relevant, you know? And it's not magic. Like, it's not like, oh my God, like, here we go. It's a fluid experience. You know, it's like at one point that might be like the best thing for you, but it's not necessarily forever. Like you could two years from now be in a totally different space Mm -hmm. and that is no longer working for you or you need to try something differently. You know, it's just like, it's not like concrete. Definitely. Yeah. Right now that might be it. And in five years, it might be something else. Definitely. And that's like what like a therapist or a psychiatrist will also suggest, like, you know, they'll always be checking in with you. How's it going? And what's, you know, do we need a lower dose, higher dose, a different pill? You know what I mean? So it's just, it's a constant process, but I think there's such a weird stigma about it where people don't even want to mention getting therapy or mention medication just from, you know, the weird social stigma we put Mm -hmm. on it. And it's just, it, it can be so helpful. And for people who are really struggling, it's, it's really beneficial. And I really recommend it for sure. 
So on a, like a more positive note, yeah. I want to talk about your charity work. So oh, like, what yeah. charities in like in particular do you, uh, what's it called? Volunteer <laughs> for? It was like charity for. What charity do you, <laughs> you charity for? Charity. Charity over here. <laughs> When I was 14 years old, I got involved with the Foundation Fighting Blindness, which is one of the biggest organizations in the country um, that focuses on finding cures for blindness diseases. So I started um, working with them and raising money um, through an event called their Vision Walk. And I still do that every year. And luckily, since I started, holy shit, 14 years ago. Oh, my fucking God, I'm so old. Um, But since then, every year... I've been able to raise at least $7,000 for blindness research and spent $200,000 in total. It's been really amazing to make that type of, you know, impact in that way. Um, So I love, I love that. And for the past couple of years, I've been the chapter president for the foundation fighting blindnesses, Los Angeles chapter. So that's been really cool. And I also started um, a support group through them called Sight Club, a little play on Fight Club, because <laughs> <laughs> the rule is that uh, you must talk about Sight Clubs. So. <laughs> we think we're funny over there. But yeah, it's pretty much just like a support group for young adults with visual impairments, because in this blindness world, you know, you go to the, these events, it's mainly like the over- 50 crowds. So I was like, okay, are there any other like people my age who are going through this? So I started that in LA, which has been really good. Um, But I also volunteer for another organization called Hearts for Sight, and they make fitness opportunities accessible for blind and low vision people. Like we do hiking and biking and yoga events, all um, accommodated for blind people to be able to do them, like using tandem bikes and partnering people with um, a sighted guide on a hike and things like that. Are so you a sighted person on a tandem bike too? Like, do you need a sighted person? Is that what you call them? Exactly. <laughs> you have sighted volunteers who come. Yeah. Because uh, I would kill everyone on that bike. If okay. <laughs> I was like, do they just like cross like sections off for you? So you guys can like bike and like, like bumpers. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, right. don't, don't go past this. <laughs> That's what I thought. I like have been visioning like, okay. It'll block you off in case like you fall or go out of bounds. I don't know on the street. I don't know how any of it works. I'm learning this. I'm learning as we go here. Yeah, no, but these are the questions because this is what people don't know. Yeah, so thankfully we have a lot of wonderful sighted volunteers who help a lot with that. So bless them. But (laughs) so yeah, I definitely I do that as well. Um, I also am on the board of another organization called Airs LA which they um, take newspaper articles and magazines and they have sighted people record themselves reading these articles so that blind people can go on and, you know, get updated on the latest news or pop culture or whatever. So that's really cool. Um, Yeah. I just became the vice president for that organization, which I'm very excited about. They're absolutely wonderful. Um, And now I just started joining a new organization called CCLVI, which is the council of citizens, or low vision international. I'm brand new. Oh my gosh. I think I just butchered the fuck out of that. Okay. Um, but I just started on their youth and outreach program. So we're trying to get information, um, into schools about how blind students can get paired with colleges or other sort of resources to help them get technology support that they may need or, you know, things like that. So 
I know I rambled on. Is this like a full-time job? Because I feel like you have so many charities that you work with. I would be like, I can't even do one of these. Like, I wish, I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously it's all volunteer work. So it's all, um, you know, I don't get paid for any of it, but you, you find a balance somehow, you know, I'm also a full-time student at Channel Island. So that's like my main focus right now. Um, but yeah, you somehow find a balance with all this other type of work, you know? What do you want to do? Like, is, has your blindness like hindered any jobs that you wanted? Oh yeah. Um, so I originally came back to school to get my bachelor's in child development, um, which is what I'm pursuing right now. Cause I was a preschool teacher for four years beforehand, but now that my vision has gotten to this point, I just don't necessarily feel like it's the best option for me. Like right now I could still be in a classroom and still supervise, but it's like, I just don't know what I'm not seeing. So to, you know, work with very young children, like two and three, I just don't feel very comfortable for their safety and also mine, you know, being in that type of position. So I went back to school. Um, and my plan is after this to get my, um, my master's degree in visual impairment studies so that I can teach Braille. So I'm learning. I was going right to ask you if you're learning Braille. Yeah. 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 So I mean, I've been learning Braille for over a year. Um, so then hopefully I can kind of combine the two and maybe teach Braille to like young children or, you know, kindergarten yeah. grade age. So makes sense. I mean, to be fair, like two and three year olds, they're sneaky motherfuckers. Like, <laughs> they are. You, you yeah. have to keep your yeah, eye yeah. on them literally. So if okay. you can't do that, <laughs> like then. Even if you had 20, 20 vision, they're still going to like stick do their something. fingers in the socket. Exactly. It's really dangerous to be honest, to be around two and three year olds. <laughs> it really is. I would Dangerous it. for everyone mental health as well if we want to get yes. into that they're just they're fucking toxic but it's real it's so real hard it is oh my god it's so fucking weird because i'm reading with my fingertips and like after a while my fingers will kind of go numb oh fuck fingers kind of like you know wake them up a little or something so it's just it's weird because I'm at a place where I can still, I can see the braille that I'm learning still. So it's very helpful to learn it at this stage when I'm not completely blind. So I can visualize the dots because just feeling them, like I don't understand how people who are completely blind learn braille because it's so fucking hard. Being able to see it is like such a godsend when I'm trying to learn it. It's, it's very, very weird. So yeah, it's very tricky. (laughs) And I think it was second grade. I think I told everyone that I knew how to read Braille. <laughs> and so we have books in Braille in my classroom. So I would just be like, oh yeah, this says like one <laughs> fish, two fish, red fish. Two fish. You know? <laughs> oh my God. I'm sure everyone believed you. I, yeah, but who knows the difference? Like, who knows the difference? I would know. believe. I would believe you now. Well, I wouldn't because I know you. But like, <laughs> if someone was like, "This is what this means," I would be like, "Okay." okay. You're like, sure, yeah. What I don't they know. make chapter yeah. books in Braille, or do you just listen to books on tape? Um, yeah, I do listen to audiobooks. Um, I'm not at the point where I can read a regular book in Braille because the thing about Braille is there's like regular braille then there's like contracted braille so everything that's written for like adults is all contracted which means that like so many of the words they won't spell all the way out they'll just do two letters of that word and that means a word so af means one thing at means another thing a e means another word so that is what makes it tricky to remember all of these different contractions 
but um, I definitely have a couple kids books because kids books are not contracted. So they'll all have fun reading and like, I'm like, oh, I'm reading my braille book. But you know, one day I'll get to the, the adult braille books, but audiobooks is my fucking bestie right now. I know it's like that in like deaf stuff or, um, or like with sign language, like they have like um, abbreviations for things. I watched a Netflix documentary, so (laughs) (laughs) but like, and like deaf people have like, you know, their little abbreviations that could mean this. And then some people like fully sign out everything, but usually there's like an abbreviation for what something will mean and stuff. But I feel like, so is that kind of like similar to like the Braille? Like the equivalent, um, with sign language would be like, if you finger spelled every single word out instead of using the one sign, which could mean multiple words, you know, it's like, that'd be the same kind of thing. It's like everything right now in the Braille books I'm reading is like spelled out word or like letter for letter. But it's actually interesting because I'm learning sign language as well. Cause there's a lot of people who have diseases that cause blindness and deafness um, in the same thing. So I have a lot of friends who are visually impaired and also hearing impaired. Um, and it's funny because my girlfriend, she's studying to be an ASL interpreter. So we kind of have like, you know, these two yeah. coming together. Um, so she's been teaching me some sign language as well, but it's interesting learning. And sign do you language. sign in each other's hands? Yeah, well, luckily right now I'm at the point where I, if it's slowed down enough, I can see the things that she's signing. And if it's like right in front of my face. Um, but yeah, eventually it would get to that point where if I was signing with some of my friends who are blind, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I would sign in their hand. Um, okay. Yeah. So I haven't had any experiences with that. I just started learning sign language. So we'll see. But um, it's fucking hard. Oh, my gosh. And your hearing's yeah. good to go. So you got that. Oh, I hear... <laughs> everything (laughs) oh people and it's funny because people will like talk about me when I'm in public like with my cane or something like that like people are I was gonna ask if you needed a cane what the fuck are people stupid you're not like you literally do they think just because you you're blind you're automatically deaf no other senses that's the thing so many people think that and it's weird because I'll tell people I was just at a party a couple days ago and I was like oh yeah I'm legally blind they're like oh so do you speak sign language (laughs) (laughs) That's the dumbest sentence I've ever heard. You oh, know. you're blind. Do you speak Mandarin? <laughs> yeah, I was just like, no. I was like, oh, some people. Oh man, but I was like, all right, Jesse, breathe. Let's educate. Let's use this opportunity right. mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, just educate this poor man. But you know, <laughs> so so yeah, so you can hear. But I mean, I guess, like you said, there are some diseases where it all goes away. Exactly, which would be yeah, so very unfortunate. It is. Yeah. It's, it's really insane. And especially for me, like, I, I just couldn't imagine that because like music is like my lifeline. Like that was my thing when I was, you know, really depressed in high school and going through all that, like I would just sit and listen to music for hours and hours and hours. So it's like, I couldn't imagine that, but, um, luckily that's not my reality, but hats off to the people dealing with both. Cause whew, I could not imagine. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know why I've always thought like, would I rather believe blind or deaf like I don't know why I think these things but I just do and I like don't know what I would because I think the same thing like oh my god you would never listen to music if you know or what if I could never see or like what if I never did my makeup (laughs) like I know it sounds so stupid but like little things like because it's like you take and like so that's why I'm like oh my god I'm so grateful that I can see and hear because there really are things you could take for granted or on TikTok there's a lot of blind girls who do makeup and I'm like how the fuck do you do that because I can barely do yeah. it 
and I can see like, <laughs> Oh, it's very, it's a, uh, it's quite the process. Let me tell you without like big magnified mirrors and things like that. But yeah, there's like people like Molly Burke and people who like are completely blind who do amazing makeup. I'm like, how do you do that? I still have vision and my makeup is a fucking hot mess. Like, I do not know. And how do they know what's like in or not in like, they just read it. Like I, you know, cause makeup changes as like ever so often. So I have no idea. Oh my gosh. I know. Like, I'm like, how would I curl my hair? How would I do? I know it's so vain, like the vainest things, but like, you know, being a girl, these are things that like are important to girls. Mm -hmm. And especially like, if you are struggling with mental health, sometimes just like looking good can make you like feel better and things like that. And it can be something so stupid. Like I just did my hair and makeup for the day, but I like feel better about myself. So it's like, holy fuck what if I burn myself because I can't see or okay, I don't know I burn myself and I can't see yeah yeah like so and it's just like maneuvering ways that you bring that up because like that is definitely a thing that I struggle with um you know because it's like I struggle so much with body image issues like I'm sure we Same. all do you know what I mean mm-hmm. we're all you know mm-hmm. Um, can worry about that kind of stuff. So that's something for me that like totally triggers my depression. Cause I'm like, dude, what if I can't see that I have something on my face? What if I can't see what I look like? And I look a fucking hot mess and no one tells me, you know, it's like, you know, that you kind of get insecure and worried. Like, I don't know what I look like. I kind of just have to be okay with whatever the way that I look like. I can't really do much about it. So, but it's, um, it can be very, you know, which would be so hard for me. Cause I feel like I think the same exact way and like, I'm like, Oh my God, is something on my face is something this, like, what if I can't see this? And I even being able to see it's something that I get really bad anxiety over, like when I go out. So I, I honestly can't imagine if I couldn't, like, it would be a really big struggle for me. Yeah, so I'd be totally. most worried about like having like a bat in the cave. Like, yeah, sure. like I would well, literally, I, I'm worried about that. But I guess you could just like <laughs> wax those hairs and then it would just, it, <laughs> like, it wouldn't stick to anything. I don't so know. That's what I need to do. Like, literally, my girlfriend the other day, we we're cuddling. She's like, dude, you have a booger. Like, can I go pick it from you? I'm like, I am mortified right now. <laughs> never talk to me again. I need to go home right now. But at least that was her reaction. Like, and it wasn't like, oh my God, fucking gross. Go to the bathroom. You have yeah. a fucking booger. That's yeah. Like, would I probably let them pick my nose? No, but no. like, I would just be, but just, I know a lot of people do, but like, I, I don't be like, thank you for at least telling me. Touch my you know? own boogers. Like, I don't want to like, touch someone else. Why would you want to touch mine? You were like some sort of magical woman. Like, I don't know. I know. Like, you, <laughs> like, I feel like you're so fortunate to have like such a good partner by your side because especially with someone who struggles with mental health like and going and being blind like you have to have this like great support system and you're like so fortunate you like have her do you ever get worried like you're gonna eventually go into like a caretaker she's gonna go into like a caretaker role like you know because like I know a lot of times like that can happen and you're just like okay and who knows if like the partner might resent you for like having to like, you know, these are things like to think about. Yeah. Totally. And I mean, it's interesting because years ago I literally viewed my life. Like I wanted to kill myself. That was my plan. Then I had a cousin who killed herself and I was like, Oh my gosh, I need a new life plan. And so that plan became, I need to find some sucker to marry me to take care of my ass. Like I was like, I need to trap a man right now. Let, let's do this thing. And, you know, I was in a relationship with a wonderful person who was very willing to step into that role and, you know, not have me work. And they kind of take care of me and recognize that it's going to, you know, 
get worse as I get older um, and they would definitely need to be there to help me. Um, and I realized that that is not what I need. You know what I mean? I, I realized that it's so much scarier to be with someone for the wrong reasons than it is to be alone. And I would much yeah. rather be alone dealing with that shit than being with someone for the wrong reasons. Um, so when I met my girlfriend, like I'm very okay with being alone. I have no problem being single for the rest of my life. Like I really, I'm good, but you know, it's nice to finally have a relationship where I don't feel like I need her. I tell her all the time, like, I don't need you. I, I want, want you. I want to be with you. Yeah. And like, you know, luckily that if she ever wanted to be with someone else or something, I'm not in a position where I feel like she can't break up with me because you can't, you know, break up with the blind girl. How sad. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, hey, yeah. I'm just a person. Like, don't, you know what I mean? Like, don't let that factor into anything. Cause one thing I know for sure is I'll be chilling. Like, I don't need anyone. I don't need no caretaker. I don't need any of that shit. And if I do, I'll pay their asses and it'll be a different situation. But any type of relationship, right. <laughs> like, no, like I'm good, you know, but that's definitely, you know, that comes up. See, I'd be the type who's like, yeah, I don't need you. Like I can do this on my own, but like, I would still like anytime you did anything that like pissed me off, I'd be like, oh, like really, you're going to do that to me. (laughs) (laughs) Just really use it against them. Oh, totally. It's like, oh, you're going to be rude to the blind girl. Really? Wow. Okay. Okay. I see how it is. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I get a little petty like that, you know, it happens. (laughs) I think everyone's a little petty or like people call it like interabled relationships, which is like a whole new thing that I found. Cause I was like, there's like, but those are usually for people who are like in wheelchairs and like really need like someone to like help them in like all aspects of life. Um, And then they do actually become like their full-time caretakers. Like that's their job. And I was like, that would just seem like a lot of pressure to be like a full-time caretaker. And I was going to say a lover. What the fuck? Like, like, yeah. Caretaker in the day. Lover at night. Yeah. Like it's a lot, like a lot of work. So <laughs> at least like, you stuff. know, like, okay. Like you said, I want you, I don't need you. And I think that's great advice just for anyone who even doesn't have blindness or that's, yeah, yeah just advice for, for anyone. literally anyone yeah exactly like if you're if you're looking at someone and being like oh I don't you know necessarily really want this but I need to have someone to take care of me or I don't want to be alone it's like oof get out get out I can't it. relate to that because I'm personally like someone who's like you have to enhance my life to change my single vibe right now I like to be alone way too much to like it's so much fun you know so yeah. it's like they would really have to like enhance my life in some way that I'm like okay I want to date you exactly doesn't yeah ha- that doesn't happen often and she means that, that she would does. have to enhance their life some too. <laughs> yeah yeah so it's a lot of work you know you have to do it's like too much work right now really totally well, yeah. is there like any advice that you could like, just like, leave? I mean, I feel like you've kind of given it, but anything you want to like say to people, leave like people leave people with. Oh, yeah. Goodness, my famous last words. Um, <laughs> I mean, I guess like not to like repeat myself too much, but definitely, you know, one thing that is really cool about going blind and the perspective that it's given me on my life is that like, you can overcome absolutely anything. And I'm sure there's people like, and they're, for sure are people who have told me like, I just could never imagine being in your shoes. How do you do anything? How do you just even want to be alive anymore? I'm like, it's rough, but like you can get through anything and like, you don't need your situation to determine how your life is going to be. And it's like, I always say like, 
you can't control everything that happens to you, but you can control your reaction and you don't have to be mm-hmm. a victim of your circumstances. You know, like you just have to have a little bit of faith in yourself, practice that self-love and realize like, like I said, you're a fucking bad bitch. And this is not a gender thing. Men can be a bad bitch. Mm-hmm. Non-binary people can be a bad bitch. Like you just be who you are and own that shit. And the thing that I've learned is like my strength comes from being vulnerable and like by embracing the shit that I don't like about myself, that is like where my power is hidden. So you look at your insecurities, you look at the things you hate about your life, things that you've been through, you can't control that you just fucking hate. You think like, not why is this happening to me, but why is this happening for me? Mm-hmm. What can I learn from this? What is this trying to teach me? Cause I swear, no matter what the situation is, it's trying to teach you something and you can come out of it with a positive outlook and use it to really build yourself up. And now I'm creating a career and creating things in my life just based off of embracing this fucking shit that I hate. You know what I mean? And now it's something that yeah. I love about myself and I'm so, so proud of myself for this whole journey I've been on. And I'm a fucking badass blind babe, baby. Like you can be a badass too. That's just right. You got this. Well, I loved having you on. I think it's great. I've, you're like, I think honestly the first blind person that I've like talked to that I can think of. Awesome. Yay. Yes. I mean, I don't think I, yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think. There was a. Like I've met a lot of deaf people, but I haven't met a lot of blind people. So. I feel like I've met more blind people than I've met deaf people. Really? Maybe because I took sign language in college. I met. But but I mean, really, I'm trying to think unless I did meet a blind person did now. But I mean, this was really educational for me. And I'm so grateful that you came on today. Yay. Thank you guys so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I could obviously talk about this shit all the time. So I appreciate I know. I'm like, what other questions do we have? I mean, drop your social media handles so people know where to find you and listen to your podcast. And the charities that you work with. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, the charities I'll start off with it's foundation fighting blindness. Definitely donate, you know, um, hearts for sight airs LA and CCLVI. Those are the charities that I work with. Um, and my Instagram handle is Jesswo J E S S W O. And my Instagram for my podcast is badass blind babe. So check it out. Join the journey. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on. Yay. Thank you ladies so much. I appreciate you guys. Well, thank you guys so much for listening this week. Make sure that you follow us on Instagram at Brutally Blunt Podcast, on Twitter at Brut Blunt Pod, and like, follow, and subscribe wherever you listen. And we will see you guys next week. Bye.